Welcome to the Part-Time Outdoors Podcast. Hosted by Matt Noss and Nate Wright. Welcome back here at Part-Time Outdoors. We're here with episode 21. Today's going to be a little different. Uh, we do not have a Matt Noss. Uh, he supposedly is doing some hunting tomorrow, but uh, today we're uh, coming from Indiana. Uh, this is our uh, deer hunting camp. This is our third year. Uh, started out with me and Derek. Now, last year, it was Kurt and Mark and Derek and me. Uh, same crew as last year. Uh, we're going to go around the table. We tried to do this last year with a podcast, but uh, we had some malfunctioning and uh, didn't work out. So, uh, Kurt, uh, let us know who you are. So, my name's Kurt. I grew up in uh, with these guys in north central west virginia grew up hunting our family farm um pretty much been in the woods since i was a kid hanging around my dad and his friends and um a few years ago wanted to try something different and here we are Derek, my name is Derek patsy <clears throat> i was a big part of that malfunction the first year uh, that we tried the uh podcast um <clears throat> but anyway i've been my story is very similar to Kurt's. I grew up hunting family farm, private land. I uh, grew up when I was, uh, I'd say, grew up hunting when I was six years old and basically been hunting my entire life. Started with small game and now it's mainly, now it's mainly deer hunting and bow hunting probably for about eight years now. And the last four years been extremely serious about hunting public land. Okay. Uh, some of you may know my dad. Um, Mark, go ahead. Yeah, <clears throat> my name is Mark Wright. Uh, Nate's my boy. I've been hunting all my life. The kids grew up with me, and I had Nate on my back climbing tree, tree stands and <clears throat> hunting the woods and everything. So Nate dragged me out here and started doing this public hunting out of the saddle. So I've been doing it the last couple of years. Really enjoyed it. Enjoy the guys I'm with and having a good time and. You know, and that's what it's all about. So. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we all come from from a different past, and uh, it kind of seems like, you know, maybe our dads brought us up through it. Um, everyone has a different journey as far as coming into the outdoors, but the public land thing is a different adventure, I guess I would say, when especially when you grew up on private farms or leases and so forth like that. Um, you know, we're going to kind of go around and talk about, you know, the different public land hunting and type of stuff that we did. Um I'll start with Derek because Derek is the one that dragged me here three years ago. Um, you know, Derek, you know, we're here in Indiana. You know, there's always one question that my dad and we always kind of ask. And, you know, maybe I haven't directly asked you is like, why Indiana? What was one of the reasons? Um, <clears throat> basically, what got me into public land was probably my transition started about four or five years ago. I was went from private land to uh, hunting lease. Um, and then once the lease fell through, basically had to kind of find a place to hunt because I no longer <clears throat> grew up in West Virginia, no longer live in West Virginia, live in Cincinnati, Ohio. And, uh, a couple years ago I was living in Phoenix, Arizona and out there, a lot of the, uh, I started listening to a lot of, the, uh, Western big game podcast and basically how these guys break down <clears throat> regions, areas, counties, how they identify target animals trophy animals, trophy counties, populations, pressure, all from online scouting. And basically remembered that and carried that into 
where can I hunt the tri-state, Indiana, Ohio, and Kentucky? And <clears throat> Indiana looked like one of these places where it's kind of a little bit off the, off the radar, per se. And Ohio gets a lot of pressure. Um, Kentucky, at that time, I wasn't too sure about the quality of deer, to be honest. And <clears throat> read a lot of great things about Indiana. So mm -hmm. started dissecting it from basically top to bottom, north to south. I think one of the things that was really convenient for you was being in Cincinnati. I feel like that's a good part of the, you know, being in the U.S., you have a lot of uh, different states you can touch in within, you know, three or four hours. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like a, <clears throat> I can basically satellite from place to place, like two to three hours here, there, either uh, southeastern Ohio, southern Indiana, western Kentucky, um, and kind of spread, I essentially spread myself then between all those states and quality states, uh, now looking back, trying to gain information about it. But that's basically how it started is I used a lot of the Western, uh, <coughs> Western hunters, hunting, like how, how they basically select an area. You know, they, we don't have a lot of the areas out here. We don't have draws and quotas and all that, but you know, when they buy an over the counter ticket or tag, they're basically, trying to maximize their probability of success by before they even get boots on the ground. Yeah. Yeah, no, that, that's true. Um, that was one thing that stood out to me was, you know, the states that surround you, obviously Ohio is a pretty popular state, but then you also kind of wanted to look into other states. Um, so, you know, so here we are, we're here in Indiana. Our first year we come in, um, you know, obviously we were pretty going in pretty blind. Essentially we just kind of showed up and, you know, I think we, we, we had success and we were hooked, I guess I would say. You know, we had success. You got on deer. I ended up getting a nice one. And, you know, we went from there. So one thing that really was I remember was Kurt. We were talking to Kurt every evening and kind of keeping him in the loop. Um, I think at the time you guys had a lease together in Ohio. So you guys were, you know, you guys were probably talking about that. Obviously, I talked to my dad and kind of tell him what's going on because, he's probably like, what, what the heck are these guys doing out there in the middle of Indiana? Like why Indiana? You know what I mean? So, you know, here we are. And I, I ended up, you know, last day we, we, we made it happen. You know, you picked out a great spot, you know, I mean, I saw seven bucks one day, you know, we, it, that doesn't happen on, on public land. I don't know a lot of people have hunted on public land, but you know, that's a dime a dozen, I guess I would say. Um, but here we are, you know, we're telling Kurt, Kurt, Kurt's fired up. You know, we got my dad here. He's like, he's like, really? He's like, you know, you really seen that many deer and so forth like that. You know, um, what was one thing that maybe stood out to you, Kurt, that kind of like drew you to the attention of possibly coming with us, maybe doing the public land thing? Well, it was just uh, appealing to come from the private farm. And we had a lease at the time in Ohio. So you're somewhat limited to uh, Derek telling us that there's, what, 200,000 acres of land. And it's just such a different uh, ball game. It's, com it's completely flipped upside down. So I listen to a lot of podcasts and uh, watch a lot of YouTube. And it just resonated with me that it was time to give it a try and just to do something different and see what it was like. It was and more of the challenge, maybe, essentially. Definitely the challenge. Um, and just trying to get on a good deer on public land where you got to go and pretty much find it. Yeah. And uh, it's a level playing field because everybody else can go do it, too. Yeah. Um, 
Absolutely. Just completely different ball game that we're in here. And then you got my dad, who's been probably hunting from a tree stand, uh, been on pub, private and different leases in his whole life, been successful, you know, someone I've always looked up to as far as a hunter. And, you know, tried, he's tried to teach me and I've tried to learn from him, even though I try to think that I know more than him sometimes. <laughs> you know, why, why are you here? You know, what was one thing that stood out to you about wanting to come to Indiana you know, 64 years old, you're lugging around the woods with a with a saddle trying to He's get after stud, him. Though. He's a stud, though. <laughs> yeah? Yeah. The boy wears me out, that's for sure. <laughs> well, Kurt said like the 200,000 acres. I mean, you could go to a different place every day and scout. You know, everybody says you, you need to scout more in your hunt. And that's a true statement here. Because if you don't do that, you're not going to get the deer. So that's the big thing. And I'm learning from you guys and everything. I'm used to going like, you know, private land and hunt, out of a tree stand. Now I'm using a saddle. It's a whole different thing. You know, and I'm getting, each, each time I use it, I get better and better. I mean, practice makes perfect, right? Absolutely. So, you know, but a lot of nice deer is taken that way. I mean, dairy, you guys killed nice deer out of here. So, I mean, but you could get a lot of scouting too. So that makes a big difference. Absolutely. And there's a lot of land. Every day you can go see something different. And lay the land how it is and everything, the, the, the ag here, what a, what a difference it is back home. Yeah, so. yeah, absolutely. And, and that's the thing, you know, you could have a bad day as far as today, but with how much property we have going on here, you know, basically, you know, you can move into another property and take advantage of what you've got going on. Um, you know, Derek, the thing with me was, uh, what was probably some of the biggest mistakes, you know, you think we made essentially our first year maybe even our second year and maybe even this year. Um, you know, I think there's a lot of things that stood out to me was I was carrying, I wanted to be lighter on my feet. I wanted to be more mobile, you know, cause I didn't want to look like Bigfoot walking through the woods with a hang on my back. Cause you know, I know, and, and people can kill out of the hang ons, but you know, when you're moving every other set, every set, you know, it's, it's nice to be able to set up and 15, 20 minutes and not have to, you know, set up a whole set with a tree stand and so forth like that. But, you know, what are some things that stood out to you that maybe we made mistakes for someone that wants to get into public land hunting or something like that? Well, I think <clears throat> being light as possible is the start. Like you have to only carry necessities. I think because in the end, when you do two or three days worth of scouting and if you're really, <clears throat> if you're really putting on the miles, uh, that's a lot of legwork, and that legwork, that's physically demanding. And then when you're not seeing deer or not running into deer, then it takes a mental toll. So then that ties into both. And then are you ready when you have the opportunity with those things kind of intertwined? Are you ready to basically do everything right, um, be physically and mentally in your tip-top shape and sharp? So <clears throat> being, being light as possible, eating right, um, being getting your rest, <clears throat> getting your rest, mm -hmm. being in shape before you first <laughs> roll in here. That's one thing. Um, mistakes. I think it's it's a bunch of the little things. You know, there's so many there's so many examples. I think you know, like our first year, one time we were out scouting and ran into a whole bunch of deer, really nice deer, um, and didn't have our bows. Yeah. Um, that was that was one that was one mistake. It's like, well, why are you going to put on this? Uh, all this scouting and you're literally not going to carry your main weapon. Um, and then I think, I think after that, it's a bunch of, it's a bunch of other little things. I think it's, um, 
you know, not, not understanding the wind, not understanding the thermals, um, not understanding where the deer want to go. But once you, once you start to experience that, that experience then turns into lessons and those lessons kind of stay with you for, for future hunts. And so basically it works as a snowball effect. And as that thing gets going downhill, you start gaining momentum and and then eventually you'll be able to have a shorter route or quicker route to success. Um, So to name all the mistakes, I mean, there was a lot. Yeah. Um, That was a short few of them. And I think a lot of people carry too much stuff. They hold on to too much stuff, not realizing that they can always go back to the car super light and get back out if they need something. Um, that's the first thing. And come in here in shape and and ready to work. Yeah, because, I mean, honestly, it's it's total different ballgame than walking in and sitting in your tree stand that you got set up, you know, a month ago or something like that. Uh, one thing that stands out to me, um, you know, we're constantly moving. I mean, we all are probably putting three or four or five, six miles a day walking around here. You know, obviously we're hunting as well, but, you know, we're all working in different areas trying to find what's the hot sign where's the right place to set up because things change oh oh, for sure um things change from year to year week to week month to month uh pressure has a lot to do with that um food changes from probably every couple weeks basis um you know and year to year has been different you know this year there's not a whole lot of leaves the leaf cover is completely out Last year, there was a ton of leaf cover this time. I mean, a lot of the leaves were still green. And that changes where the deer are at. That changes where they're located and concentrated at. And so, again, every, every time we do this, it's a, uh, you will never know it all. The more you learn, the more you realize you don't know. It makes it a little tougher, too. When all them leaves are going, the deer like disappear. I mean, they go, like you said, down the crevices, down the bottoms and stuff and everything. And it's harder. It's harder hunting this year. Basically, you're yeah. you're saying they're finding more cover down yeah, the bottoms. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. And the weather's been super warm. Warm. And, and windy. Dry. To an extent. Yeah. And there's not a lot of uh, mass crop. At least we're not seeing a whole lot of acorns this year. Last year, yeah. they were it was in everywhere. abundance. But mm-hmm. this year, not so much. And the sign, sign up on the ridges, they're not, not the same as it has been. So, yeah. And yeah. I think that's one thing that, you know, as far as getting out here, you can from year to year, the more you'll do it, you'll be able to adjust, you know, because we'll maybe run into the same situation next year. And you can kind of adjust on that and figure out what you did last year compared to what you didn't do last year that what you think should work. Oh, for sure. <clears throat> um, you know, even even just a short three years, everything's been, you know, the first year that Nate and I was here. Things are different uh, in comparison to year two and year three. You know, this, the past two years, for example, <clears throat> we ran into limited pressure. And when I say limited pressure, uh, I can't really recall off the top of my head if we had anybody walk in on us or we walked on anybody. Uh, this year, it happened the first day, the second day. I mean, almost consecutively, every single day. Um, and that's more adversity outside of just finding deer. So you have to be ready for those moments when, when it comes to this t- style of hunting. Me and Nate's had several people that we walked in on, and we have seen people 
And we've never had that. We never have it at all last year. I can't remember. I definitely think the pressure's been different. But we've yeah. also been in hunting some different areas, checking out some different areas. Um, but we're also always trying to add more to the arsenal. So, but you know, some are duds and you know, maybe occasionally you'll find a good one, but that's why you got to just got to keep working and keep moving and stuff like that. Everything changes. Uh, we come here in March. We came here in August, checked cameras, did things and places we thought was going to be hot, which they wasn't this year at all. Yeah. Like one or two places. Mm-hmm. And that's what you had to put, like we've talked about, we had to put boots on the ground. We've got to keep on going, you know, keep walking, yeah. find places to, you know, to hunt. Yeah. I think one of the most important things that stands out to me year three is access. I think that's one of the most important parts. And, you know, because there's different ways of accessing different pieces of property. And basically you're trying to figure out what's the best place and best way to access a property compared to the regular Joe. That's how he's accessing it on a daily basis. And the beauty, the beauty of this style of hunting is even if somebody owns their own piece of property and that's all they want to hunt, that's fine. But when you explore other options as public land and you, you essentially have to think outside the box and you have to think about different ways and essentially how to get it done um, and how to find deer and get on deer and essentially get an arrow in one. And what that does is that's hunting, no matter what, if you're hunting in Indiana, Ohio or West Virginia or Florida, hunting is hunting, whether it's private, public, vice versa on a lease, high fence, it does not matter. You have to, you, you will, as you gain more experiences, you will be an all around better hunter. So this here, for example, like what Nate's referencing is, if you think about different ways of how to access certain public parcels, uh, that will help you on your private property too. Yeah. And, and you'll, and you'll realize that uh, you'll, you'll get out of the pattern of doing the same thing over and over and over. And this, this, culminates that like you can't be you can't be like everyone else you have to essentially be a little bit different makes you a better hunter i feel like what we're doing makes you a better hunter and it's not for the fate of heart either you mean like Derek said you got to be in shape you got to get ready to get there and hustle you know in climbing trees up and down you know sets a couple sets a day or more i mean you're busy and you're, you're moving so yeah, um, that's that's true. Um, and I like Derek that you point that out to me because you know we do hunt lease back home and you know different areas. But when we started doing this, I started breaking down why why am I not seeing that deer that I keep seeing on camera? Why is it you know what what am I doing wrong? So then I'm thinking, am I coming in wrong? Is my wind wrong? You know where is he betting at? So forth like that. So I'm thinking on a scale like that, like I'm thinking on 200,000 acres. Now I'm thinking on a hundred acres. So then I'm trying to break it down to a smaller decimal, I guess I would say, trying to figure out, okay, he sees me coming in. My wind's not great, you know, so I need to J hook in or whatever. But it, I feel like it makes it 10 times easier when you go from that public parcel to a hundred acres. Mm-hmm. And the beauty of it is too, if you mess it up, you just pack up and go somewhere else because there's, an unlimited amount of spots out there. It's really, it's really kind of overwhelming. It's like the gift and the curse because uh, we look at Onyx all day and just keep finding more and more spots that we need to go check out at some point. So if you mess up, you just keep moving. Yeah, and I, and you're right. And I think that's one thing is you know we're here for a week. Let's be aggressive. Let's try to make things happen. 
Um, cause you can just get after it. And like, like Kurt is basically saying is like, if it doesn't work, you know, learn from it, move on and try to do better on the next time when you're trying to make a move. Yeah. Definitely makes you a better hunter altogether. And we've done things here that I never would imagine myself ever doing. Um, we were kayaking down a river on an inflatable raft two days ago <laughs> <laughs> and get to where we're going. And there's somebody there. Lewis and had to go all the way back. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. That's so true. And I mean, these guys just paddled a, a mile down the river and then there was someone already set up in the yeah. area that you guys were thinking. And you guys probably would have never thought in a million years that someone would have been there. I'm serious. His kayak was right where my pen was dropped. It was weird. It's almost like he was thinking. It's almost like he had access to our cell phones. Yeah, you got hacked. You never know. Yeah. 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 Oh, but boy. no, that works out. Um, you know, one thing, uh, Kurt, when you started, when you came here, what was your expectations maybe as far as your first year before you even dove in? Mm, I mean, you know, a lot of hunting for me at this point is camaraderie with my friends. Um, I've killed a lot of deer just growing up. And uh, that's, to me, I just enjoy being away, being out, doing something different and being with people that I like. Um, so expectations, you know, I really didn't have any other than to kind of stretch myself a little bit to become a better hunter for sure. Um, and just kind of, uh, you know, I guess in a way Derek and I kind of partnered up together and just kind of following, you know, around with him and just brainstorming. So, you know, I just kind of came in looking to have a good time, do something different and, uh, to become a better hunter and just enjoy the week that I'm here and get the most out of it, whether that is a, a kill or not. Um, you know, it is what it is. So it's been, a, it's just been a good ride. You know, the last, last year was a great time. We camped out, uh, this year we kind of, uh, upgraded to a little cabin here, <laughs> yeah, but, uh, nice. but nonetheless, it's just been a great, you know, I just enjoy the camaraderie for me is a big part of it. And, uh, just seeing people have success and hear the stories and, Derek probably asked me 87 times, what do I want to do? And, uh, he's good at that. And he's got 80 and he's got 15 plans in his head, but he's still asking what I want to do. Cause for me, it's tough. Cause, uh, you, you know, my stage of life, I have a family with two boys that are pretty active in sports and I coach a lot. So I guess my time's somewhat limited in this chapter of life. So I don't have, as many, I guess we put a lot of boots on the ground while I'm here, but my time spent here outside of that's been limited. So, uh, you know, I'm just kind of relying on Onyx, uh, what we do with all that, and just kind of teaming up with Derek as much as we can and then kind of splitting off and doing our own thing. Um, so that's it. Okay. No, I mean, I mean, everybody has uh, different goals when they come here, different things that they look to enjoy or get out and you you know basically from what you're getting at is getting away you're enjoying you know hanging out with the guys but still getting out there and getting after it and it's uh you know it keeps you in shape too i mean it's like you're getting done it's not like you just walked and sat all day i mean we i mean heck yesterday what three miles by 10 a.m with the pack on um up and down you know valleys and, and ridges and you know, it's a good, it, it keeps you, uh, it, it's definitely keeping us moving. And uh, it's just so much land to explore. That's the other thing. It's just an adventure every day. You know, you're doing something new and different. Because growing up when you hunt the same 
area all the time. <clears throat> I don't want to say that I love hunting, but it can get a little bit stale in a way. Um, so this, it's just never a dull moment because you can pack up and go somewhere. You never know what you're going to do, what you're right. going to get into. Which that's kind of like the curse too. It's yeah. the same thing yeah, you overthink, yeah. Yeah. overanalyze. But, um, yeah. And it's funny how you say it, but it's <clears throat> like I've been <clears throat> hunting all my life. A lot of good hunters, learned a lot and everything. But it's nice to get together with my boy and you guys. It's good. I feel like hunters are good people. And, they, you know, they, and everybody, like the stories. And, you know, get, going in the woods and telling things, <clears throat> what you've seen and what's, what's going on and everything. It's really nice. It's nice to get away and be with people that likes doing this kind of stuff. And I feel yeah. like we always have a story when we come back that evening. You oh, know what yeah. I mean? You know, oh. like, for instance, you know, Derek this evening, he had a he had a good deer that was possibly coming in, but he had someone walk in on him earlier, and he caught some scent possibly, you know. So then we're sitting here trying to figure out, okay, what are we going to do tomorrow? The wind's going to be different. You know what I mean? We're over here trying to, well, we probably shouldn't go there in the morning because you're going to try to bust everything out because everything's so, you know, dry and loud right now. So then we're trying to figure out, well, you we should go in the evening, you know. It's always a game plan. It's always us kind of working together. And I think the camaraderie, you know, and our knowledge, putting it together, trying to make the best decision. Right, and and right. I, I think that's huge. And, you know, us working together <clears throat> is is why we come here. You know what I mean? We're, we all have one goal. You know, we all want us to succeed. And, if, you know, like I said, if it's Kirk killing a, a 150, great. If it's, you know, my dad coming in here killing first thing, first thing out of a saddle, for the first time, you know, that's, that'd be great. Or if it's Derek killing a mature deer, that's great. But we all, you know, ha want to help each other reach our goals when we come here. And, you know, next year, Kurt might have the itch that he just might want to sling an arrow. So, you know, everything changes, you know, and stuff like that. So it's nice to work together and everybody works with each other. We sit down and eat dinner, talk about stuff, what we should do. And, and that helps. That mm -hmm. does. You know, that's a lot of opinions going around. It's, to help you in the woods next morning so absolutely so derek you um you know just to get out of indiana a little bit um there's some different areas that we've been touching on on you know public land um you've been hunting ohio as well um we both have hunted kentucky this year um you know if you had to pick a state what do you enjoy most and what maybe what time of the year do you enjoy oh because <clears throat> i know probably the challenge aspect is probably what probably stands out to you uh, in my opinion, Ohio is the most challenging. Um, and that's for many reasons. We don't necessarily have to get into all of them, but. <clears throat> if you had to pick three. For what? Why? Three reasons why Ohio would be the most challenging. It's pressured. The terrain. Tie into that. Um, those deer in hill country are very, they're, you know, five and six year old deer. They've basically seen every trick that could be thrown at them. And if you don't have their tendencies honed outside of the rut and you understand their weaknesses and where they're weak at and certain terrain features, you are unlikely to get an arrow in that deer. Now, the rut is a different thing. Now, you might get a wild card and that deer, if you're in that deer's core area, you might be able to get an arrow in him if he's, uh, <clears throat> if he, you know, sillies up essentially, but. Ohio is, out of the three states, I think, the more difficult one. Um, 
they're all they all have their own difficulties. It's not like one's easier than the other. Kentucky, <clears throat> Kentucky's been a lot of fun. Kentucky's been really good to us. The beauty about Kentucky is Western Kentucky. Uh, the terrain is a little bit gentle. It's more rolling hills. Definitely a lot more agriculture, more farm country. Meanwhile, Eastern Kentucky is very similar to, I mean, Ohio in a sense. It's Southern, it's Appalachia. So it has a lot of hills. They do have some ag, but it's, it can be very steep. Uh, Indiana is kind of a mix between both. I mean, you have 650 to 800 probably hills. You probably have a lot of, uh, you, you definitely have a lot of ag intermixed with that. There's a lot of waterways here, which is unique to Indiana versus Southern Ohio. You have, Southern Ohio is more like creeks, um, but uh, Indiana has a lot of river systems, a lot of small rivers that you can get up and down with uh, watercraft. Which, yeah, which I think you have utilized. Obviously, you guys were uh, uh, on a raft the other day. <laughs> um, but, you know, but that's what I talk about was the access. You know, if we can get on the backside of a 7,000 piece of property by not having to walk through the whole property, you know, obviously that's that's huge. Yeah, I mean, access is everything. I mean, we were just talking about the other night how many, like, if you think about it, um, when when you're hunting, how many deer, how many, think about the, the, the comparison between the deer that you see first, that you're, as the hunter, you see first, you see coming from miles away or 100 yards away, most of those deer, if, if that's your target deer, most of those deer are dead. Like most, most of those deer will come in and you'll actually get an arrow in them or, <clears throat> or you'll get them on the ground. Versus the deer, the other comparison is the hunter that gets startled by the deer when they sneak in the backside where they come from an, uh, an area that you least expected them. Those, deers, th those deer have a little bit more tendency to get away. And the opposite, the same thing is true for that's why access is important. So a lot of deer will pattern us because they, if they see us first, uh, they can basically skedaddle out of there. Um, and they can basically circle back around. I mean, it's simply predator and prey. I mean, if basically if they see you first, they can get out of Dodge and you essentially never know they're there. So that's why access is by far the most important thing when you're hunting and being able to get in there without being, without being detected. Yeah. Yeah. That, I mean, that's, we harp on that all the time. You know, and there's different areas that we try to access differently all the time because we know what's in there. Really, in our handicap this year is, um, I think it's because it's dry. There has been no rain. The leaves, yeah. you know, the uh, like he said, the the uh, the terrain with the agriculture and everything. It's all changed from last year. It's completely different. It's made it a lot tougher. It is. You know, so. Yeah, I remember, and that, and he talks about it being green last year. Yeah, it right. was. I yeah. mean, there was a lot more leaves in the trees than actually on the ground. He's, he's, I mean, we've had, what, two cold fronts, essentially, yeah. this year already. Uh, so we've had a lot of, you know, leaves dropped. And, and then, obviously, we got this know. wind to where we haven't had any rain or anything in a while. So everything's pretty loud right now. Now we've got a full moon to end with. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. So, um, you know, we'll touch on the saddle thing. I think that was a big transition. You know, I remember when Derek had this saddle three years ago and, and he's like, yeah, go ahead and try it. And, and the guy, the guy that we rented off the, the building with the place we stayed at that he owned the building, he came outside and he's looking at me in the tree in the saddle and he's like, 
what's going on? And, you know, he's confused. And, and, you know, I just feel like it wasn't a big deal thing. But, like, I think, you know, obviously I had to adapt to it considering, like I told you earlier, I didn't want to carry a hang-on through the woods. Like, Kurt's talking three or four miles a day. Um, you know, I I really like the saddle. Um, you know, I want to talk to Kurt and my dad about it because, you know, there's probably a different mix of opinions on it because I know how Derek feels about it. Obviously he's been using it for four or five years now, but like Kurt's adjusted to it here in the last few years. Um, have you killed anything out of the saddle yet, Kurt? I haven't. I started last year was my first year okay. here was my first go round. So, I mean, you know, my progression was back in the day, the old wooden built tree stand with my dad. You know, that's where it all began. <laughs> Here um, you go. Then we kind of got into the to the lock ons. Um, then there for a while, I, I was using my lone wolf climber, and uh, so you were somewhat mobile there. Using I the lone started wolf that probably right when I was probably two thousand five or six um, at our family farm. I would just put that thing on my back and just go and hardly ever had a set stand. How much did that thing weigh? I mean, it's really light. It folds up really thin. I still have it to this day. And I got really good with that thing. I actually felt super comfortable. And then probably three years ago, um, I ended up getting the Lone Wolf custom gear lock on and then started to kind of pack in and out with the sticks and went that route. And it's the same in a lot of ways, but it's different. Um, so I kind of got, uh, you know, acquainted with that. And then, you know, like, like Nate was saying, uh, when we were on our lease in Ohio, Derek brings out this saddle and we're all calling him saddle boy, Derek, and <laughs> kind of giving him a hard time. But, My dad uh, called it a diaper. <laughs> <laughs> I remember he called it a diaper. But then the more I started kind of, you know, looking at it and, and watching some videos and, and just kind of thinking about it, um, I said, I'll give it a try. And, you know, it really wasn't much of a change. It is, but it's not. It's the same process. I like the fact that in certain trees, most of the time you can position yourself in a way that the tree is between you and the deer. And you can move around the whole tree so you're a lot more maneuverable to where the deer's coming. And uh, I think it's pretty comfortable, though. It's really not bad to sit in that thing all day and you can get the backrest and man i mean it's kind of like you're in a recliner up there so i and just the main thing just when you have to to pack in and out i mean obviously it's the lightest thing that you could possibly do i mean you just have your little platform to carry so i mean i think for this type of hunting it's uh it's pretty much a, a slam dunk yeah and and you touched on the climber thing because I think there's one thing that I see a lot of in, on public lands are climbers. Yeah. But another <laughs> thing that really stands out to me with the saddle, there isn't a tree that you probably can't get in. That's the thing about a climber is you had to find that perfect straight tree. And then, you Your know. Your buddy, my, Matt, he's a climber, right? Does Matt use a climber? Yep. Matt, yeah. Matt, does, Matt does use a climber. I love the climber. Like, my heart's still with that climber. Like, I'll break it out from time to time. Um, but I, I think, like I said, the one thing is me. Like, for instance, you were set up over that that uh, field t the other day, and you probably, probably been pretty into that with, with a, a climber. Yeah. And, you know, you got a good vantage point, and you mm -hmm. saw some deer and stuff like that. So, I mean, I just I thought of that the other day when you were talking about the trees that you had to work with. Um, but we'll go ahead and, uh, we'll shift over here to, 
uh, Mark over here to see what he thought about the saddle. He, I think right now he's just itching to kill something out of the saddle. Um, so he doesn't have to sit it anymore because I, <laughs> I think he's ready to go. But, uh, go, what, what, you know, what are your thoughts? Cause you know, you did bring a lone wolf custom gear down here last uh, year. It was tough. It yeah. was heavy. We, you know, but I grew up on lock horns, you know, steps, you know, and build, your, my, build uh, your tree stand, build your tree stand out of wood. Send me sawing and you're up in a tree, nailing it in a tree. You know what I mean? Using the spikes for steps back in the day. I mean, the whole nine yards, and then the locker ones come, came around, and you started the saddle thing, and but you got me, well, you got me taking the saddle. So this is really my first year. So I probably did what about ten sets, different set with different ones already for in yeah. here. Yeah, this year and, you have. Yeah, and I'm getting better and better. You know, it takes a little time. You know, you guys got a little bit more experience than me and stuff and everything, and I haven't killed a deer out of a saddle. Yeah, I've killed a few deer in my life, but I haven't killed a deer this in the saddle. But you know, I'm itching to can't wait to just let you know see how it does. Really, you know. But um, you know, honestly, though, one thing that's going to stand out to me a lot is I'm interested to see you kill with a crossbow. Um, yeah, you know, yeah. honestly, because I kind of want to. You know, I've kind of considered using it with rifle season. Um, you know, it's kind of the same concept, you know, mm -hmm. how you're holding it up against your shoulder and so forth like that. So one thing that I've thought about doing, you know, when we do do hunt, because I really haven't moved much stands as far as for our opening gun season. Like I'm thinking about maybe using my saddle to gun hunt out. Of. Yeah, it's different. It really is than your guys using a bow, I feel like. I feel like your bow's long ways, right? That crossbow sticks out a little bit. I was talking to you about it today. Mm -hmm. So you got to have to position that crossbow when you think that way that deer is going to come your way. Yeah makes it pretty tough yeah so and that and i think it's harder yeah i, I think, think it's it hard. with a rifle and crossbow i think a saddle hunting is harder i think it he is was talking about you, that you need you need a special tree to where you can shoot arguably 360 degrees where you got maybe trunks on you know your backside and maybe your right and your left and, and even maybe your front because the angle like where the where the target comes in the angle is important you have to have your bridge perfectly and your tether perfectly set if they come from your backside it's an awkward shot even if you're like a lefty or a righty and how you have to turn more than likely you have to freehand it yeah I, unless you have a trunk yeah i mean well, I, well, I do shoot free i shoot freehanded on that so and everything but that tether comes down and it feels like it's in your way because you've got to come over top of it like this all the time. Yeah. Same with the bow. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's the thing, though. I mean, I, I've only hunted out of a saddle two years. Didn't kill anything last year. I've killed two, there, two deer this year with it. But to be honest, though, I would say probably the best thing about it is, is like, I don't, I don't feel, and people always ask this all the time, is like, how do they not see you, you know, sticking out like that? I mean, I, I had a deer this year, a few deer this year, then five yards literally right beside me, and they haven't looked up. And I feel like sometimes in tree stands, they're like, you know, they, they're on you. And, like, even if it's a new set or something like that, for some instance, like, I I feel like I don't stick out as much as with a tree stand, if that makes sense. I mean, I don't know your guys' experience with deer and how they've came in on you, but obviously you try to use that tree as cover, like Kurt was saying, but obviously in instances, if they walk behind you, yeah, you certainly, I mean, it's, it just depends. It just depends a lot of times. Like I've sat in, you know, I've sat in a lone wolf or like an actual tree stand 
and gotten picked and I've sat in the saddle and gotten picked. I mean, I think a lot of it depends on many things, you know, uh, when you decide to move, do you move? Does that deer just catch you out of the corner? Do you like, do you get skylined? Uh, is there perfect lighting where they just pick something out? that's just odd. You know, what type of detergent are you using? Do you, we talked about this or using yeah. the not the non UV light, <laughs> you know, are you up there? Like, you know, looks like you have glitter sprinkled all over you. Like there's a lot of things that tie into it. Um, you know, and we've talked about the deer being able to pick out your face and yeah, and all that stuff. So I, you're going to get picked if you're out in the open, regardless of what you're what you're in. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And I, I do think, though, it was a cool feeling this year killing something out of the saddle. I don't know. It just it's different. And then this year, then here in Indiana, I killed as well. And I didn't even think about it. Like, I think it was kind of a second nature type of thing. Just kind of got propped the bow and I had to take it over my my tethered rope and everything like that, but you know, it worked out. So, I mean, I think it's a good beneficial thing as far as for public land, as Kurt was saying, but it's also an adjustment. Like my dad was saying, when you're doing something your whole life, um, you're just accustomed to it, you know? So, you know, other than your saddle, you know, as far as other gear, you know, we got some gear junkies in here as far as Kurt and, my dad's just as bad as stuff like that. You know, what would be besides, you know, what's getting you in the tree, what would be your second best piece of gear that would, you know, make a difference for you guys coming in here? I would say three things, sticks, number one, um, a nice backpack that's, that's going to haul everything, but also be light. And then now whatever that, bow hoist is called i've had it for a long time <laughs> oh, the retractable bow thing hoist is, is solid changer. i mean it's the best so yeah, in my yeah. mind it's those three and i would say probably you got to have some decent boots too um yeah absolutely would you guys agree with that camo i'm a camo junkie I like uh, I like the QU. <laughs> I like the sick i like the good stuff you know what i mean that's all right you know so boots is a big thing but that cable thing for the bow, that's, that's, that's the ticket. I had that thing. That, I found it, man. I probably had that for like 10 years. No, oh, you had it. Yes, I have. I've had it before Derek did. You should have seen that really last had year. It. That thing is sick. Oh, my god! I found. I don't know how I found it, yeah. but uh, I've had it. I remember looking at on Derek's backpack. I'm like, what is that big-ass thing? You know what yeah. I mean? Like, And then I'm looking at it, but now I'm like, once you use it, hook oh. your bow and you're up. Yeah, and, yeah. it's right there. And it is a... When I was younger, just, you know, you're getting your bow rope, then it's all tangled. You're trying to untangle it, there put it you away. Go. Yeah. It yeah. was such a... Then you a, end up just putting it in your pocket because you just don't want to deal with it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So then when you got to take it out, it's a big knot. Yeah. Yeah. Just, oh, Always, no matter how hard I try. Right, right, right. Yeah. You guys, all three of you have the Eberstock X2, right? Yeah. Yeah, right, right. Okay. Yeah. I, I would say for me, it's my... Um, it's certainly the Doyle, it's Doyle's, uh, Doyle's hoist. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. Um, what I've done with mine is I modified the end of it and I just put those just like just a regular old rubber tie on it. Imagine that you modified it. And because, because <laughs> that, that clip that on the clip that goes on the bow limb saved the deer's life one time when I was trying to get it off the limb because oh, the deer were coming in on me. Yeah. So now I just have the, the the rubber tie, and that's that's a cuts down on noise because a lot of times even with that thing stealth strip, it will 
clink and clatter. Literally, you just it's like a bread tie. And then the second thing is the aider. Instead of carrying three or four sticks, I carry two sticks, and typically I get the right amount of height that I need to get. Um, and so that's lighter. That's, again, focus on trying to be lighter. Um, and then I would piggyback off what Kurt said, boots. Like Not you gotta, ha- you got like no matter what you're doing, uh, you gotta have a good pair of shoes on. Yeah. So. And I think you're the one that started the trend with the crispies. Yeah, we all have them. Yeah, and that's yeah. a western. That's a western. I'm the only some. one. <laughs> that's a good. western big game thing. That's like that's what they. You're on deck. Yeah. That's what they do. Yeah. Maybe Santa Claus will bring them. Right. Yeah, I agree. Um. And, and that's the thing that I've learned, Derek, you talked about the Western thing, and I think we probably talked about it a while back, but, you know, you kind of basing the hunting in the Western style, you're not necessarily spot and stalking deer, but more of your style as far as scouting slash hunting, finding spots. Yeah, and I think part of, and then part of that is like the, the gear they use, because a lot of it is the areas are so vast out there, the animals can move anywhere. And they move everywhere and they get pushed and, and weather pushes them. And, you know, there's so many factors. There's a lot of factors out there that we don't deal with on the eastern side. So we, um, you know, it's it's really you kind of look at what they do. We know when it comes to even just breaking a deer down and quartering it out. Like that's something you got to consider when you when you hike three miles in and you get a deer down. So what are they use? What's their type of gear that they're using to get that? animal out um and it's just a mirror image like in essence in essence it is it's like a jv to the western western big game hunting yeah i agree um i think one of the another key things for gear is a cart i'm buying one i've been using Derek's the last few years but i think a cart would be good or some type of frame pack depending on how many people are hunting with you, if you're hunting by yourself, something like that. Um, you know, there's a lot of YouTube videos that I've learned myself as far as, you know, quartering out a deer or just getting after it and learning on the fly. Um, but I think a deer cart would be huge for a lot of people because people don't realize when you do put boots on the ground and you do go in back into these woods and then you do put a deer down, the work begins. I mean, it's it's on. I mean, the it's... The fun's over with. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's time to to get him out of there and you, right. you got to get after it, essentially, you know, but what makes it nice here is, you know, we do have four guys and, you know, if worse comes to worse, you know, I'm sure we would all drop what we're doing and we'd be there to help him out. Yeah, we helped Derek last year. He was down in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> he literally we, was. We came out with like a mountain carrying deer out. It was like, wow. Yeah, so. <laughs> uh, but that's what it's about yeah, yeah. and you yeah. know when we got back to the truck it was like high five we did it we got it out we're you know mm-hmm. it's the game over we won that's kind of how i look at right. it right yeah. that was an experience that, yeah. was, that was different that's new but back home if you got your private land you're hiding on you'll get your four-wheeler pick it up you know you're done you know what i mean days it's no. the side by get, side it's, set it's, the tailgate down yeah you go yeah, yeah. now we backpack you got your frame pack and you go down you yeah. you know you always have it quartered up and whatever it's 
It's a whole different story. It's a whole different chapter. And you know, I mean, I keep going back to that Western side of things, and that's that's a Western thing as far as quartering deer, quartering uh, an animal out. Um, and, and it's funny how, yeah. and you know, people may have been doing it a long time ago, and and but the style of hunting that we're doing now in the public land is it, it is it's based off of the Western style. Yeah, very much. You're not gonna you're not gonna drag an elk out of there. You know. You got a you, you ain't court. got a deer you ain't got a deer cart for an elk. No, 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 no. <laughs> Might as well get a helicopter. Yeah, I didn't even pick it up. Oh, but uh, I I got one question for you guys. Um, you know, if you had to pick one thing that keeps you coming back to the outdoors, um, what would it be? I'll go ahead and start with you, Kurt. The outdoors for me is just uh, you know I find a lot of just peace, quiet. And uh, just a way to calm my, you know, just kind of relieve the stress everyday life. And um, I just enjoy being out. Like, it's always good to kill something. And um, but if I don't, I still look at it as a win because some of the just some of the things that you see out there, people that don't hunt just don't understand it. Like some of the things like Derek and I walk and like we've seen some things nobody may ever see and it's just to me that's just part of the journey i just like the journey every every time you get out there it's just a complete different experience so i guess you could say it's just the experience for me um and just everything that comes with it clear the mind and everything like that mm-hmm. what would you say derek i would piggyback off that but also say it's certainly a hobby like this or hunting is a camaraderie thing it's meant to be shared and it's meant to you know, to, to be done with a group of people or your best friend or your son or your dad. Um, you know, you can't, you can't play a lot of sports and necessarily be on the same playing field with your dad or your son because, you know, the age difference. Uh, that's important. And I think there's a lot of parallels to this in everyday life. Um, you had to bring up age, right? <laughs> <laughs> Take it as a compliment. Yeah, okay. I will. Oh well, but I'm I'm like Derek. I'm like Derek. It's nice being around good people, good friends, and my son. And and when I do hunt, I enjoy it. I get in the woods, to relax, and it's 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 a break in life. It is making it makes you feel good. I feel like, and this what what makes me feel good: being around good people and having a good time and talking. And you know, we don't. I don't get that at home. You know what I mean? We're busy. We are busy. Everybody is here this table we're always always doing something mm -hmm. and this gives us a little break in life to, to be together yeah so yeah i would um i'd probably have to say my biggest thing is me is the challenge um you know we've i've hunted with him my whole life and i i, I enjoyed it getting out there with him i think that was the biggest thing with me but when we transition to this public land thing you know like we're our workout regimen you know us trying to get in shape because i'm like I got a month of November. We're coming here. We're going to Kentucky. We're doing this. I would say the challenge. I look forward to, I guess, making mistakes essentially, but obviously like you don't, but you know, you're going to, I want to get out here and learn from it and try to get on the deer that I did kill my first year and try to figure out how can I do that? And you know, things like that. But obviously, you know, you're going to fail, but I, I would say the challenge is the biggest thing for me that sticks out. Obviously, I love hunting with all you guys, but I think one thing that sticks out to me is the challenge. So, but, uh, well, guys, I'm going to wrap that up here. Um, that was episode 21 with Part-Time Outdoors here in Indiana. 
Um, I really appreciate Kurt, Derek, uh, and my dad, Mark, uh, coming on the podcast here. Um, you know, we tried to do this last year, uh, but it was something we wanted to get done, and uh, I'm glad we were able to get done this year. As Derek was popping a beer because I think he was ready to. Uh, <laughs> so, but take care, guys, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks. <laughs>